Okay, now you have the syllabus. So we are now under the introduction part, and we saw the first part of introduction. That is the purpose of God's word. How many purposes to study? Now, let us move on to the other next week. So, I'll be giving you the dates.
Write it down. So take your slippers and follow the second part. And we are now dealing with the introduction part. The second part is power of cars right properly today. I'm going to finish the first uh, three. I mean B, C, D till definition of biblical interpretation. Because we have a long way to go, and we don't want to uh, push uh, the same you know introduction part for a long time. And today probably we will be able to finish part B, C, and D till if God helps us. Okay, now, what's the power of God? So last week we saw that our God is a God of purpose and He does not do anything without any purpose. And I gave an example. You know, there's a purpose behind the creation of the universe. There's a purpose behind, you know, the creation of every human being. And everything that you look at around the world, there's a purpose behind it. Nothing is created, was created without any purpose. And the Bible, similarly I told you, was given with some of the specific purposes that we dealt with last week. And after the purpose, we need to understand the power that is there in the word of God. What is what kind of power? You know, when we talk about the power, there's different kinds of powers we hear in this world. Human power, money power, manpower, but the power that we have in the word of God is entirely different, you know. And some people used to argue uh, who wrote the Bible, is there any power, any authority, you know, the, the what kind of power that is there in the world. And we could look at briefly a few things there, and uh, that will really help you all to understand. The first power, and one of the things what we need to understand is right now, the statement is there, the words the words of the Bible have the life-changing power. That's the first thing we need to understand. The, every word that is there in the world, Bible has the power to change any human life. That's very, very important uh, aspect that we need to understand in the interpretation, the little interpretation as we study the Bible. So, we don't believe, uh, you know, a kind of uh, physical change. Bible does not have any kind of power to change our physical appearance. For example, when you accept Jesus Christ, the skin color doesn't change. The hair color doesn't change. None of our physical body is changed by the word that we receive here. But there is a life, and I talk about the life, the inner life. You know, every man, every woman have an inner life. That the life that we see outward is the outer life that we see. But there's an inner life that can be changed only by the power of God, the word of God. And that's the first part power that we see the word of God. Look at the book of Isaiah. Turn your Bible to the book of Isaiah, chapter 55 and verses 10 and 11. Where we see God gives an example of his word with illustration. 
It's a powerful illustration. And if you understand the illustration that God gives here, you will understand the power that the word of God has to change all of us. Look, Isaiah chapter 55, verse 10, let's read. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud, bud and flourish, so that it eats seed for the sower and bread for the eater. Now, in verse 10, we see that the Spirit of God compares the word of God with the rain and snow. That's a powerful illustration. Okay? And then he comes to verse 11 to explain what kind of the word of God, what kind of power the word of God has. Look at verse 11. So is my word that goes out from my mouth, it will not return to my, me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Now I want you to underline the two verses, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent. The desire and the purpose. And let me ask you a question. What is the purpose that God has sent his son Jesus Christ to the earth? Last week we were there. Do you remember? Jesus came to this earth with the purpose of seeking and saving, which was lost. As a human being, as a humanity. And when Jesus said to the house of Zacharias, the son of man came to seek and save, which was lost. He was not talking about anything else, he was talking about the entire humanity. And that's the purpose. So, how God, uh, Jesus came, the first coming, to show the way. And as we walk in the way that Jesus showed, that's what Jesus said, I am the way. So, Jesus came to show the way. As we walk in the way, then we listen to his word, and then both has now the power to change every human being. In other words, everyone who walks in the ways of Jesus will be changed by the word of God. Last week I told you, Jesus is the word in flesh, Bible is the word in written word. The written word, and that Jesus is the word in flesh. But the Bible is the word in writing. That's the only difference. Both are both. Jesus is the word, and the Bible also word. So Jesus showed the way, and anyone who walks in his way must listen to the word. So the word of God has the power. So the desire right down there, the desire of God is to change every human life, and his desire is that everyone should come to know the way of salvation. Okay? That's his desire, that's his purpose. His purpose, his desire, that he wants to see all of the human beings, every man, every woman, come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, to be saved, to attain the eternal life. The Bible clearly says that it's not possible that none of us should perish. We don't want to perish even one person. How many of you believe that he died for every one of us? Yes, he died for people who lived in the past, people who are living in the present, and even if he died for the people who are going to be born, the last person who is going to be born on earth. We do not know who is the last person. We know the first person is Adam. Nobody knows who is going to be the last person who is going to be born on earth. But Jesus died for all of us. That's why, and that's God's desire. So God accomplishes his desire by sending his word. That's what the Bible says. How the faith comes? Faith comes by hearing the word. Hearing the message. 
So when 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 we when God sent forth His word, the the person who listens the word of God gets the pain, and then he gets saved. That's the exactly the process of salvation. So that's why the Bible compares the rain, the snow, with the word of God. As the rain comes down from heaven and produces the seed, similarly the word of God goes into every man's life, woman's life, and produces a new life. And also, we see in the book of First Thessalonians, chapter two, verse thirteen. You know, we are looking at the scriptures in line with God's word has the power to change life. Okay. Now, again, look at here, and we also thank God continually because when you receive the word of God, Paul was talking to the believers at the Thessalonian Great Church, which you heard from us. You accepted it not as the word of men, but as it actually is the word of God. Which is at work in you who believe. Now the word underline the word which is at work in you who believe. I don't underline that word. And we preach the gospel to everyone, and people hear the word of God, but it does not work in everyone's life. The word of God works, brings changes only in the heart of the person who believes it. That's very very important, you know. And you and me got saved because somebody preached to us, and we believed it. And as a consequence of the faith that we had on that preaching, and we got saved. Today we become the citizens of the kingdom of God. Otherwise, even today we are in somewhere else. And the when you know Paul says here that that Paul was preaching the word of God to believers at Thessalonica. He says he did not receive it as a word of man. But as the word of God, that's why. So God has, unlike that, you know, this is a set, but there I am given. God's word has inherent power to accomplish the purpose of God's desires. Amen. And uh, so that is, in other words, what's God's desire? God's desire is to see every man, every woman to be saved. It happens. In other words, God's desire is to see every man should be changed. That happens only through the word of God. And then let's move on. Under that, under the power of God's word, I'm going to give you at least two to three important points. Number one, God's word convicts the unbeliever. That's the first point we need to understand. So the word of God has the power to change the lives of the people, and it happens. The lives of those who believe the word of God, under which, and the understanding, you know, based on that understanding, we go look at some of the power. The first power, God's word, has the power to convict, convict the unbeliever. Now we don't believe conversion, but we believe conviction. The Bible has a lot to say about the conviction. You know, today the burning uh, issue, the discussion. Of the city of Bangalore, the state of Karnataka is conversion. Case is going on the high court, a lot of arguments. You know, even uh, things are happening everywhere, and we don't believe conversion. We believe in the conviction. God convicts the people by sending the truth, and anyone who really understood and convinced accepted the truth, that person is being saved. Now look at the book of First Peter, chapter one, verses twenty-two to twenty-three. Here we see another illustration of the gospel. 
Previously, we saw in the book of Isaiah, the word of God was compared to what? To rain and snow. Now here, Peter compares the word of God with the seed. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. Now that you may be, here Paul, Peter is talking to the believers, now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. Now Paul basically is talking about the change in the heart. Now how that change happened? Verse 23 says, For you have been born again, not of perish, perishable seed, but of imperishable, though the living and enduring Lord of God. Now verse 23 he says, For you have been born again. Now remember the same thing Jesus spoke to Nicodemus, which we see in John chapter 3. Jesus said, Nicodemus, unless you be born again, you will not enter into the kingdom of God. Unless you are born in water eh? and spirit. I told you many times, there are many people they refer the word water to back, uh, water baptism. It does not refer to the water baptism. There the word water refers to the word of God. And the spirit refers to the Holy Spirit. Amen? That's what exactly Peter refers to. So when we receive the word of God as a seed into us, and that word of God purifies us, cleanses washes from our sin, then we become a new a new creature. Amen? You know, I can give you a couple of examples from the book of Ephesians. So, normally the Bible talks about the word of God like a water. There are a lot of illustrations. Water, snow, you know, and rain. Just now we saw from the book of Isaiah. Rain. And here, Peter was talking about, you know, how a believer become new beginning and born again. He says, for you have been born again, verse 23, not a perishable seed. Now here the word seed refers to the word again he talks about, you are not born again by a perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring the word of God. So, listen, now the first power of God's word is that it has the power to convince us that what we are. So once the person is being convinced that I am a sinner, then he experienced the born again experience, new creature experience. From here, if you move little to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 15, we see the Holy Scripture is being able to show a person how to be saved. Not only the word of God convicts of a sin, and then here we see it also helps a person to be saved from the sin. Look at again 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 15. And how from infancy, now Paul here talks to Timothy. You know about the Timothy's story from the childhood, you learn the scripture. In that context, Paul says, and how from infancy, Timothy, you, you have know the Holy Scriptures. So Paul says that, Timothy, you learn, you know the Scripture from infant, from childhood. Which, okay, look at here, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen? Now, Timothy was keep hearing the word of God right from the beginning of his infancy, from, in, you know, from his very early days. 
and then he was keep hearing you know other occasion paul was referring to his grandma his mother but his mother through his mother's name eunice you know he says you heard the word from your mother eunice and even from your grandmother and because he was born and brought up in a beautiful christian atmosphere and he was able to hear the word of god from the beginning that word of god that he heard was able to change him to you lead him to you into the salvation so what we understand the word of god has the power it is like a seed once it goes into a person's life it convicts and then once if the person is being convinced to the word of god that word conviction leads to salvation like that okay your conviction leads to the salvation no one can be saved without a proper conviction what is the conviction the conviction is nothing but every person should be convinced that i am a sinner and i need a savior so once when a person has the conviction by hearing the gospel and then that conviction leads to salvation as what paul refers here talking to talking about the term timothy is salvation and then when we move to the book of romans chapter 1 verse 16 okay and that's why paul says here i am not ashamed of preaching the gospel see that no i am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of god for the salvation of everyone who believes first for the jew and then for the gentiles know the word it it, it it is the power of god for the salvation of everyone who believes that's what we are talking about now the power of god's word so god's word has the power to save everyone who believes whether he is jew or gentiles and it does not change a person who does not believe the change takes place only in the lives of the people who believes the word of god that's the first point second point let's come to the second point under the power of god's word first we saw what kind of power the word of god has the word of god has a power to convict amen and the conviction leads to salvation so the first power secondly the word of god has the power to cause spiritual growth now your person god say after hearing the gospel that's not the end salvation is not the end so after a person accept jesus being saved the second stage is he has to grow a person has to grow where spiritually how can a person grow spiritually after he got saved look at the book of first peter chapter 2 verse 2 okay like newborn babies drink pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation amen underline that word drink pure spiritual milk like newborn babies what a beautiful illustration it gives here it doesn't matter at what age you got saved some of us got saved at the age of 10 15 or 40 or 60 even if your if your person is being saved at the age of 50 still the person is spiritually baby physically the person may be senior citizen 
56, 58. But if a person is not having a proper understanding or touch with the word of God, if a person is not, you know, interested in meditating God's not really, if a person does not have any interest, a desire for the word of God, still that person is spiritually daily. No? That's why when we come to the spiritual realm, the kingdom of God, God does not count us, you know, how mature we are based on our age. Age is not a problem. How much we are, we know ourselves. That's very, very important. For Peter says here, like newborn babies. It doesn't matter how old you are, but like newborn babies, obey or have a desire for the pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow Write it down. There is only one source of spiritual growth that is the word of God. The only source of spiritual growth is the word of God. The only source of the spiritual growth. Please understand. There is no other way to grow spiritually. Hmm? Let me tell you, you cannot grow by prayer. You cannot say, Lord, I want to pray spiritually. You cannot pray for the spiritual growth. Some of the people used to pray, Lord, Help my son to grow spiritually, my daughter to grow spiritually, I want to grow spiritually. No, prayer does not help a person to grow spiritually. Bible clearly says, only when you read the Bible, understand the word of God, when you have the desire of the word of God, that's the only way you can grow. Amen? That's an important thing. And just like drinking milk, as a statement I have given, just like a drinking milk causes physical growth, God's word causes spiritual growth, then it is understood and obeyed. I hope many of you have the habit of drinking a cup of milk morning and evening for your physical growth and strength and stamina. That's good. And just like the drinking milk causes spiritual growth and physical growth, God's word causes spiritual growth. When it happens, when it is understood and obeyed. Again, let me tell you, it's not that just because you are reading the Bible or uh, the, you know, just because reading your Bible, you are not going to grow. First, you have to understand and you have to obey. That's the reason we have started our interpretation class. So that you can understand the word and you can obey the word so that you can not, you don't need to be a baby anymore. You can be a mature believer. Now, one other thing we must understand, you know, Jesus, before he, he ascended to heaven, he said, you go to the whole world, preach the gospel, and make disciples. Not babies. You know the meaning of disciple? Disciple is the meaning learner, student, a person who learns. That's the meaning of disciple. Now, a disciple, no, Jesus never said that you make a Christian. What's the difference between the Christian and the disciple? In fact, you know very well the name Christian were attached to us only when the church was started in the place called Antioch. We see in the book of Hebrews and Acts chapter 11, I hope, or 20, maybe. 11. So, before that, you, if, you, if you do a systematic study in the book of Acts from chapter 1 to 10, that, that believers were called as disciples. Only after Antioch, the Gentile church, we got the word Christians. Then hmm? after that, we got nominal Christianity came into the church. I don't want to touch those matters. What I'm trying to say today, most of the churches, no, those pastors, 
who boast of themselves that they're saying that you know 2,000 people, 10,000 people, 15,000 people. If you look at most of them are spiritually babies. Not very mature disciples. Who is a disciple? The person who understands the word of God, obeys the word of God, and he able to tell others about the word of God. That is a sign. If a person does not understand the word of God, literally, I tell you, he's not, or she's not spiritually disciplined, still a baby. And today, most of the churches are filled with spiritual babies, not spiritual disciples. Amen. So, we need to give more attention to understand and apply the word in our lives. That's uh, another important. The third power. The word of God has power to reveal our true motivations. The word of God has power. Well, as we grow in the Lord, we must understand that the word of God has the power to reveal our inner motives, inner desires. And uh, you know, now you are no, no more baby. You are a well mature believer. You are growing in the Lord. As we growing in the Lord day by day, and sometimes what happens, we get into wrong motives, wrong desires. You know, one of the things which we see in the book of James, I think we read, though you ask, you do not have because of your wrong motives. You see, many of our prayer, prayers are not answered because of the wrong motives. Remember, two of the disciples of Jesus have the wrong motives. Wrong prayer request. What was that? The mother of two disciples came to Jesus and said, Lord, I have two sons. One of my sons should sit at the right hand of you. The other one should sit the left side. Wrong motive. Jesus said, you do not know what you are asking. And that mother was somewhat samarification, you know, doing all this. No, Lord, this and that. But that, that's not, Jesus never answered that. Then finally he said, it is the hands of my father. I cannot decide that. So even other, even on uh, another occasion, when Jesus and the disciples were going to the city of Samaria, and uh, when the people refused to accept the game, remember they offered a prayer. They said, God, shall we bring the room back to heaven like a legend and destroy this people? They are not allowing us, not accepting it. The Bible says Jesus did it. You do not know what kind of spirit you have. Now some of our prayers are like that nowadays, you know. Now I send the fire and destroy all these people who are troubling us. Who are, you know, making us trouble out. No. As I said earlier, Jesus never came to destroy. He came to give life. He said, I have come to give life, a life of abundance. Life of full, the abundance. See, if, if God has to destroy everyone, Nobody can live on here, survive on He has to destroy everyone because everyone will make a mistake. So, wrong motives sometimes in our prayer, in our family, in our business, in our ministry are being revealed when we read the word of God. That has a power. Look at the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 12. Okay? For the word of God is living and active. Note the two words, living and active. NIV says living and active, but I hope if you look at the KJV, it says act alive and active. Alive and active. And then what does what does it still do? Sharper than any double-edged sword, it you know, penetrates. Look at the word it penetrates means it goes into, penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. 
it judges the thoughts and actions of the heart. Hmm? The word of God is like a double-edged sword, which means the word of God has two side edges. On one side, it correct, comforts us, strengthens us. On the other side, it also corrects us and rebukes us when we have wrong desires and wrong motives. You know, it says that it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And for example, when you have some kind of thoughts and decide your hearts and you meditate the word of God, the Spirit of God will speak to you that what you are thinking is not right. And without any resist resistance, immediately we need to delete that thought, delete that attitudes from our mind, like we delete some of the unwanted messages in our WhatsApp or the computer, and we need to delete it immediately and we need to move forward. So let us not keep like Saul. He had a, the thought of vengeance, killing David all through his life. But finally, what happened? He was he 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 he, he faced the consequences. Bible says every man has to sow what he has. You know, every man has to reap what he has sown. So you cannot escape from the consequences. So let us be very careful because the word of God really helps us to understand the thoughts. Now, there's a statement you can write down. God's word has the ability to reveal to us our inner and true motives, which we sometimes do not realize by our physical, you know, my understanding. And the word of God, that's why every day it is it's a must for every believer to have Bible meditation. And you must ask the Lord, is there any hidden motive, wrong desire that is there in me? And this, the Spirit of God will reveal to you through the word. And once when we found that there's some of the wrong motives, and we need to immediately delete it and remove it from us. And if you look at James chapter 1, verse 22 to 25, here we see another analogy of the word of God. James compares it with a mirror. Okay? Mirror. What, what was the purpose of mirror that we use? When we, the moment when we stand in front of the mirror, I hope everybody stands in the mirror, isn't it? Yes. Men also. But ladies has more habit, more hour they spend with the mirror than anything else. Amen. And look at here, like mirror, look at what's going to do. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Verse 23. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror. And like that word mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Amen. So what James was trying to say here is, write it down, the word of God like a mirror shows us our wrong intentions and motives. The word of God like a mirror shows us our wrong motives and intentions. See, the moment when you stand in front of a mirror, it shows if there is any dirt on your face. Isn't it? Right? No? You know? The moment you stand there, then you see your face, oh, there's some dirt here. Then immediately what do you do? We immediately remove it 
and you make yourself right. Similarly, the word of God, when you look at the word of God with a sincere heart, with a, with a prayer, it will show you where we fail. That's what exactly James was trying to say there. As looking into the word of God, it is like a mirror which shows us we, where we are, real life. The Bible is the only book, like the word, the Bible is the only book with the real power to eternally change the lives of people. Amen. So these are the three things I want to uh, you to understand here. The word of God is the only book. The word of God is the only book that has the power to change the lives of the people. You know, every in every century we see that. And by the way, you must understand the greatest miracle. What is the greatest miracle? The greatest miracle is the life-changing miracle. Amen? The greatest miracle is not raising the dead into life. The greatest miracle is not opening the blind eyes. The greatest miracle is not helping the lamb to walk. This is all we need. But let me tell you the greatest miracle is a life-changing miracle. And that miracle happens by the eternal word of God. That miracle takes place by understanding and obeying the word of God. That's the greatest power that we should not forget. So these are the three powers that we see from meditating and applying the word of God in our lives. I hope you got it. Anybody has any questions regarding this? The power of God. So, so far we were discussing, talking about what kind of power that is there in the word of God. We discussed three. It helps a person to get him to save and grow the life. And then as he grows, as she grows, and the word of God really helps us to understand the wrong right motives, wrong motives, wrong designs. So let me tell you, if you, as long as you have the right motive, you have all the possibilities to grow. As long as you have right attitudes, you have a lot of opportunities to grow. Many times of wrong motives and ungodly attitudes are the barriers for our growth. I can give you hundreds of examples. But that attitude and desire can be changed more than the world. That's why your daily meditation is must. It's not that we kept the Bible on a shelf after Sunday service and the next Sunday we take and I'll come to the church. So you should have touch with the Word of God every day, every day, every day. Amen. Let's move on to another report. And, uh, yeah. No, no, that is the power of God. See, what I'm trying to say, the word of God does not have, in other words, the word of God was not given with the purpose of changing your physical appearances. Like, as I say, the skin color, or hair color, or your name. And that's what the many people they say nowadays, they associate with the disability. So when you talk about the healing, deliverance, that all happening by the power of God, the presence of God. So the word, once when we receive the word, as we listen right now, it goes inside of the person, it convicts the person. 
So the word of God convicts us, so conviction leads to salvation. So that's the first part. Then after that, when he believes Jesus Christ and his power, his authority, then the power of God, the presence of God, that heals a person. And also when we come to the, uh, in the context of the kingdom, that we call always, these are the demonstration of the kingdom existence, or the reality of the kingdom of God in our, on the earth, like blind seeing. Remember in Luke chapter 4, verses 17 and 18, Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he has set me open the spiritual eyes and learn to walk, raise the dead, learn to raise the dead. So these are the signs of the kingdom. Those signs happening by the power of God, by the kingdom of God that is real in our midst. Last time I told you the kingdom of God has been already inaugurated, but not yet completed. Remember the formula, don't forget. That's the kingdom formula. The kingdom of God has been already inaugurated, but not yet completed. So we are looking for, we are waiting for the completion that will happen only when Jesus Christ comes. But here, as I say, the word of God goes into a person's heart and he listens the message that convinces that, that then the new and you know, born again experience takes place. That's an inner miracle, inner healing, inner deliverance, inner you know salvation. And what you say is outward. This outward healing, deliverance, this is all happening by the power of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know. That's where we have to make clear to the people, particularly in the Indian context today. In Indian context, many people say, you know, these people are converting. By conversion, what they say? They're converting, you know, by converting, they change our religion. They change our name. They change our, this and culture. That's what the issue is going on. What we are trying to say, the, the word of God is not changing your religion, your name, your caste your skin, your anything, it changes the inward life, inner life. So once the inner life is being changed, and then you can see outwardly through the life. But this miracle signs and wonders are outward sign by the power of God. After salvation, after your faith. So once you believe the gospel, then the, the power of God brings this kind of healings and deliverances. That's what even the book of the book of Acts. So the word brings the inner change, the power of God brings the outer changes. How it brings the diligence thinking all those steps. Okay. So next let's move on to your syllabus. That is C. Okay. Look at your syllabus under the introduction C. What is that? Pastors and leaders' responsibility to study. The Bible. That's very, very, very important. We saw the purpose of God's word, and we saw the power of God's word. Now let's move on to the our our roles, our responsibilities, our task. So some of you all, some of us are pastors, some of us are church leaders. I know some of us are holding leadership position in various ministries. So. Whether you are a pastor or a church leader, our primary responsibility, the supreme responsibility, the main responsibility is to understand and interpret the gospel. If you do not know how to interpret and understand, 
then we are not fit to be a minister of the kingdom of God. You know, because of its power and purpose. God's word must be the supreme subject of our study. Study, you know. God's word must be the supreme subject of the study of every pastor and every leader in the church. Before we go further, I'm going to give you two examples how it is important to study the word of God as a supreme purpose of Christian leaders and pastors. You remember in the early church, it is not the screen, some of you can turn your Bible to the book of Acts, chapter 6, and verse 1 following. Okay, the book of Acts, chapter 6, verses 1 to maybe 4, till 4 you can read, somebody can. Yeah. Hmm. Somebody can read in those days. And the number of disciples were increasing. Now listen carefully. I, I told you already, till Acts chapter 10, we were known as a disciples. Now again, when you read disciples, don't misunderstand that these are the four disciples of Jesus Christ. So these number, the disciples are referring here to all the believers. Okay? When the number of believers, disciples were increasing, then what happened? The Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the uh, Hebrew. Hebrew, Hebrew okay. Because uh, those were being overthrown. Okay, now you see, as the church was growing up, there were two main caste people who were living, you know, worshiping together. Only there were a group of, you know, people who came from Greek background, and then another group of people came from the Hebrew background, Hebrews and Greeks. Now what happened? Now they say the Hebrew Hellenistic, you know, the, the Hellenistic Jew or Greek Jew. The Greek widows, they came up to Peter and all the apostles, they say that, see, we Greek widows get little food, but the Hebrew widows are getting more food. That's a partiality. And then there was a kind of, now let me tell you, once when you started to grow, you know, one said numerically, quality, in other, other ways, you also have more papa. In other words, one said, you will have the growth on the other side, you will have the problem also with you. You know, that's what exactly happened. So there was a con conflict between the Greek widows and the Hebrew widows. Then the issue came to Peter and the other apostles. You know, what did they used to do? Continued was for two hours. Three so the twelve gathered all the disciples ah. together and said, hmm. it would not be right for us hmm. to neglect the ministry of the word of God. Okay. In order to wait on people, mm. brothers and sisters, okay. should seven men mm. among you who know to be full of spirit and wisdom. Okay. We will turn this responsibility over them. Over them? Then what we will do? The twelve twelve apostles, what we will do? Oh, come on, verse four. And we will give our attention to we prayer. will give our attention to prayer. prayer. The ministry of the word, which means to study the Bible. Are you following? Now, when Peter came to know the conflict between these two groups, see the reaction, responsibility that Peter was making them to understand. See, this is not, you know, 
our responsibility. If we get into the, you know, table, serving the food, putting the sambar, rasam, everything, and then the things will be better. So you choose seven. Then they chose seven deacons. Philip, Stephen, all those things. And then Peter says, we will, two things he said, we will devote ourselves. We will commit ourselves to two, two things, a prayer and teaching. To the ministry of word. So these two are the primary ministry of every pastor, every shepherd. If your pastor become an administrator, you know, in some of the churches, what happened? The pastor is the administrator, the pastor is the children's ministry director, the pastor is the one who makes the announcement, the pastor is the worship leader, the pastor is the, you know, when pastor become all in all, the church gets into confusion. So the primary purpose of every pastor, uh, twofold two purposes, prayer and preaching. So, and the church should release the pastor. Every church should release the pastor to focus, to give more attention to these two things so that the rest of the things should be taken care by the church so the church will grow balanced. That's what we are trying to do in our BGH. You know, we have different kinds of department, different leaders. Now, thank God, under this prayer also, I, I don't want to have any headache now. Prayers are going on. God has, been, God has raised so many leaders. Now, I can focus on something else. Amen? So, Peter, what I'm trying to say, Peter made, made it very clear that we too, the apostles, will focus on prayer and preaching. And then, as a result, look at verse 7. The result, we see the result of this decision was seven of the same chapter. So the word of God. Now listen, the so the word of God, what happened? Spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem. The number of the disciples in Jerusalem increased. increased. And quality. You know? So the result was there. The word of God was spreading. The two apostles started to spread the word of God, preach the word of God to different places in Jerusalem, and the number of the disciples. In other words, the church was growing. Amen. So, every leader, every pastor should have focus on the word and prayer. Now, let us come back to here on our notes. Look at here. I'm going to give you two examples. Okay, number one. The first example is from the Old Testament. There was a man called Ezra. Many of you know. And then I'm going to give you an example from the New Testament. Okay, I will come to it later on. Now, Ezra, who is Ezra? Ezra is the scribe, or you know what you call that, the teacher of the law. Ezra was a man who was explaining or interpreting the word of God to the people of the Old Testament. Now you look at the book of Ezra, chapter 7. And verses 6 first. Look at verse 6. This Ezra came up from Babylon. He was a teacher well versed in the law of Moses. Now, note the word. He was a teacher well versed in the law of Moses, which the Lord, the God of Israel, had given. The king had granted him everything he asked for the hand of the Lord. His God was on him. Now, verse 6, he says in the beginning, this Ezra came up from Babylon. Now, you know very well, after 70 years of Babylonian exile, the people of Israel, 
came from Babylon to Israel under the leadership of three dynamic leaders. If you are interested, you will note it down. Okay. Now you know very well after Solomon's uh, death, the people of Judah was captivated by the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. So Nebuchadnezzar took the Jews and kept them in Babylon as prisoners for how many years? How many years? 70 years. How many years? 70 years. So after 70, so these details you can see the book of Daniel in detail. Okay? After 70 years, the Babylonian kingdom came to an end. Then who came to the power now after Babylon? Many times I told in the Bible say. You remember Daniel saw a statue, the statue of the four parts, clay, gold, bronze. So all these four parts represent four kingdoms. And the first kingdom is Babylonian kingdom. The second kingdom refers to Persian kingdom. The third kingdom refers to Greek. And the fourth kingdom refers to Rome. And then when the Romans were ruling the entire universe, the Messiah came. That's exactly the dream that Daniel had. Okay? So now, the Babylonian kingdom came to an end. And secondly, the Persian kingdom came. When the Persian king, Cyrus, you know very well, you know, Cyrus, when he is the first king of Persian kingdom, when Cyrus became the king, he gave order to all the Jewish people who were in, the, in Babylon to go back to their own land. That you can see the same book of Ezra, chapter 1, verses 1 following. Later on, you can go down there if you are interested in the history. So, after he gave the order to go, these Jewish people to go back to their own land, and they came, and I, I'm just giving you this background for you to understand who is Ezra exactly. Who is this man, Ezra? Okay. Now, after the Persian king gave the order for the Jewish people to go back from Jerusalem to Jerusalem, I told you the, the remnant, the remaining Jews who were in Babylon came three groups under three leaderships. Number one, first, first group came under the leadership of Zerubbabel. Okay, to build the temple. The second group came under the leadership of Nehemiah to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. And the third group came under the leadership of Ezra to revive the worship of Yahweh or spiritual, spiritual revival. You got it? First group came under who? Zerubbabel. What did they do? They rebuilt the temple. Second group came under the leadership of who? Nehemiah. What did they do? Rebuild the wall. Within 52 days, you know. And third group came under who? Under the leadership of Ezra. And that's what was called. Now you come to verse 6. Ezra chapter 6, chapter 7, verse 6. That's what it looks here. This Ezra came up from Babylon. Are you following me? So I, I want to help you to understand the meaning from where he came, he came from Babylon. After how many years? 70 years. Then when he came, he was a teacher well versed in the law of Moses and 
which the Lord God Israel had given again. Now come to verse ten. What he did? He was not only one verse in the law of Moses. Look at verse ten. It's very very important. For Israel had devoted himself to the study and observance of the law Lord and to teach its decrees and laws in Israel. Are you following me? Now we see three important responsibility of Ezra here. Write down. Number one, Ezra first studied the word of God. He devoted himself to study the word of God. Number two, he observed the word of God. That means he obeyed. And thirdly, he taught the word of God. Others. Are you following me? First, what did he do? He searched. He studied. He observed. He understood the word. That's very, very important. So the first responsibility of every pastor and leader is to observe, understand the word. Amen. That's the purpose that we have started this institute of interpretation. So Ezra, a man who brought a spiritual revival in the midst of the Jewish people after they came back from Babylonian, Babylonian seventy years of captivity, he first bit was he searched the scriptures, and the NIV says, you know, he studied. I think KJV you see he searched the scripture, he studied the scripture, he observed it. That's number one. Number two, what did he do? Then number two, he observed. Sorry. First he studied, he searched, he, you know, he understood. And secondly, he observed means he obeyed. Are you following me? He obeyed. He did the scripture. What the scripture said. And thirdly, he taught the people, teaching. So what the three steps we see, that's what we are going to look at a little, you know, systematically. First, we need to understand the scripture. Number two, we need to live according to the scripture. And thirdly, we have to teach the scripture. These are the primary purpose, the responsibility of every pastor and every leader. Are you following me? Now look at here verse 11 also. This is, this is a copy of the letter King Atraxus had given to Ezra the priest and teacher. A man learned in matters concerning the command, commands and decrees of the law of for Israel. Note the word again, a man learned in matters concerning the commands and the decrees of the Lord for Israel. That is again the word of God. So Ezra is the best example for us how to study the word. Okay? Based on that, we are going to look at three things I told you. The first is the he, and number two, he observed, number four, he taught. Now, I'm going to, we are going to discuss few minutes, the three steps, very, very important, because these are the three primary responsibilities of every past, every teacher. Number right, number one, write it down, study. Hmm. What's the first purpose? Study. Now, when we talk about study, it's not simply, uh, you know, study uh, like studying a book, uh, studying a newspaper, 
Okay, we need to study carefully. Write it down. Every pastor and every leader must study carefully. Hmm? You can't simply, uh, as I said, study like the books and newspapers and uh, all those things. Hmm? And secondly, diligently. Now the word diligently is with all of your focus or study carefully and also study diligently means give more focus. Use your knowledge. Use your wisdom. You remember one of the things Jesus said, he said, love the Lord with all of your heart, strength, mind. You know the word mind, many times we leave the part of mind when we come to serve the Lord or worship the Lord, even we are studying the word. Now mind, you know, Christian faith is not a blind faith, which says, don't use your mind. How many of you are familiar with this temple? No, this You know, if you go to this temple, some of these temples, then you see a statement, leave your mind and your shoe before the end. What you have leave? Leave your mind and your shoe before the end. Because Leave your shoe, okay, we understand. Leave your mind, because once you come in, you have no right to ask any questions. Don't say, why are you doing this? Why is happening like that? Why these people are doing it? You leave your mind, but Bible says, love the Lord of all your mind. Means, come to church with your mind. Don't leave your mind outside. Don't keep your mind at your home. Come and worship the Lord even with your mind. Study the word with your mind. And that's exactly what we need to apply when we study the word of God also. So study with your mind. And secondly, obey. Secondly, obey. Now obedience is another important part we saw from the life of Ezra. Let me tell you, anything that you try to teach people which you don't obey will not make any impact. Please understand also right now, anything that we try to teach people which we don't obey, a pastor or a Christian leader, if you try to teach anything which you don't obey, which you don't practice, will not make any impact, will not bring any change. In other words, if I want to put it in a simple way, let us not preach anything which we don't practice. Amen. Let us practice before preach. If I want to put it in another word, let us practice before preach. Hmm? Otherwise, you know, you can preach well. You can, as a pastor, as a leader, you can preach well, but that will not bring any kind of change in the lives of the people. You know what? Even some of the political people, political leaders are better preachers than us. But what kind of changes happening? There's no change. Then what's the difference between us and them? Once I, I don't know how many of you heard, Karnavati used to preach from the Bible better than us sometimes. You know the scriptures. You know? 
Mm. What's the difference? They don't believe, they don't practice, simply they tell the people. And that should not happen in our lives also. If I don't pray, I, can, I, have, I, I do not have any credibility, a, a, a kind of any quality to preach about prayer. If I don't study the Bible, I cannot tell the people, you study the Bible. If I do not be holy, I cannot tell the people, be holy. They cannot be holy. The holiness will not happen. The prayer will not happen. So the people will not be motivated to read the Bible. I am, you know, that's why always I am a little bit afraid every time when I select the topics to share with the church. I'll first say, Lord, help me first practice. Practice. Of course, they may not be able to, we may not be able to practice 100%, but the Holy Spirit is there to help us in spite of our weakness and shortcomings. He knows. And we need to say, Lord, you know my shortcomings, you know my weakness. Please help me to overcome before I can preach to your people. And I'm telling you for God's glory, every Sunday after every Sunday messages, at least two or three people will come and say, God spoke to me. That's a sign that God is at work. Amen? Praise God. The third way, you know, obey. And you obey. There are two things I need to obey. And emphasize here. Number one, apply the truth in your life and practice the truth every day. Hmm? Every minute, every day. Okay? And the third way. The third thing comes, teach. The third thing comes, so teaching is third. Don't be so hurried to teach or tell people, you know, this is what the Bible says, this is what the Jesus says, this is what the Holy Spirit says. No. no. Teaching comes at the third part. And which I like to make. So there are two ways by which you can teach the people. Number one, by your word. Number two, by your example. Okay? By your word. And I say word, the word of God. That we preach to the people. Number two, by your example. I want to put another word first through our words, secondly through our deeds. Through our words, through our deeds. And also you can say through our lips, through our lives. Through our lips, we teach. Through our lives, we be example for others. So you can keep on telling. So the teaching part comes second. And ultimately, what we understand from the life of Ezra, the teacher of the law of Moses, that both Ezra first, he studied the world, understood the world, meaning. And I tell you, you know, I'm going to take you from next next week onward to understand how important to study the word of God as a teacher, as a pastor, as a pastor in our lives. So then, yes, sir, he did the same thing. First he searched, he analyzed, he studied day and night. Then he practiced, then he taught to the people. And if you look at the book of Ezra, after Ezra practiced these three steps, there was a great spiritual revival among the people of Israel after they came back from Babylon to the old land. You go home and read the entire book of Ezra. You understand. People, you know, and some of the people, you know, they, they had already intermarriage. 
with the Babylonians. And they, and they, they repented. And people were repented. They were crying. And they, there was a lot of changes among the people of Israel after Esther did this. This is one of the examples I showed you from the Old Testament. Let's, I wanted to show you from the New Testament another example. Turn your Bible to the book of 2 Timothy. So I'm going to give you Timothy, the spiritual son of Paul, as an example from the New Testament. Old Testament, I gave you an example of Ezra, a man who committed, dedicated fully and totally to the study, observation, and the teaching of God's word. As far as the New Testament is concerned, the best example that stands for studying and applying the word of God is Timothy. Now, this is another important example that we all of us should understand, pastors and church leaders. Turn your Bible to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15. I think I touched this part a little bit on the opening day of our idea. Okay? But let's look at it a little deeper today so that you will be able to understand the importance of studying the scripture. Now Paul here admonishes his spiritual son Timothy saying that do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Now, there are many things here, but a few things are like, do your best. Everybody say, do your best. So what? Every pastor and church leader should do their best to handle the word of God correctly. You know, I hope that's the reason all of you are coming here. Mm -hmm. Paul begins saying that, do your best to present yourself to God as an approved. No, how can God approve a person as a man of God? This is a very important question. And any person, whether male or female, anyone who handles the word of God correctly is a person who is approved by God as a man of God. Okay? I hope you are following. So don't expect me everything to dictate, listen and write down. Mm -hmm. I will give an example here. See, in the book of Matthew chapter 7, it's not the screen. Many of you know the scripture. Jesus said, Matthew chapter 7, verses 20, following. He said, in the last days, many will come and say to me on the day of judgment, Lord, 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 in your name. What is that? In your name, we cast out the demons, we prophesy, and then we did miracles, signs, and wonders. The Lord said, I do not know. Which means, Jesus never approved them, acknowledged them as a man of God. Paul says here, do your best to present yourself to God as a one approved. There's a connection between this scripture and that what Jesus said there. That's why I told you. Now, what made Jesus to say, make such a powerful statement to those people who did miracles, signs and wonders, prophesied? Now, if you look at the following verses in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said, if anyone does the will of my Father, not my name, 
not just because you used my name and did so many things i cannot approve you i cannot acknowledge you i cannot say that you are my servant jesus blind he said i do not know you just imagine if you are standing on the day of judgment in front of jesus the judgment seat jesus says you know you go there and say praise the lord jesus oh hallelujah lord what a joy to see you you have been waiting for you for so many years now i see my lord is sitting here suddenly jesus turns to you and say what what are you i don't know you just imagine the feeling that you have hmm. now who will be approved jesus made it very clear the person who uses my name now let me tell you just because you use jesus name you know it doesn't mean that you are man of god miracles are happening signs are happening wonders are happening because of the name of jesus not because of you many people they think that many people you know the moment they see the gathering the crowd they think oh the crowd came because i have the power crowd is not the sign that you are man of god Miracles are not saying that you are man of God. Prophecy is not the sign that you are man of God. Then what's the sign? What makes us to be approved man of God? Let me tell you again: the one who will do things according to the will of the Father. That's what she is made here. Now the next question: What is the will of God? Many times I told you the word of God is the will of God. Please write it down. The word of God is the will of God. If you do anything and everything according to the word of God, then you are the man of God. You are a proud man of God. You are a proud woman of God. If you do something against and contradiction to what has been already written in the word of God, then at the day of judgment you will be rebuked and you will be rejected. So in that context, Paul says here. Do your best to present yourself to God as a one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed. Any man who does according to the word of God need need not to be ashamed. He can be bold enough, confident that I am the man of God. And then finally he says to be ashamed and who correctly handle the word of truth. Now that's what we are going to look spend some more time. Take your pen, underline that word. Who correctly handles the word of truth? Everybody say correctly handle. NIV says correctly. KJV says rightly. And I'm going to give you some of the other verses also. And there's a verse in NRSV that is New Revised Standard Version. It says rightly explaining the word of God. Rightly explain. And then the another translation says. Step forwardly, step forwardly to the word of the truth. And if you get into some of the English translations, you will be amazed to look at the different terms and the you know the words that they use. Correctly handle, rightly handle, straightly handle, and also rightly explain. So what do you mean again and again? Please understand that God has called all of us to correctly, rightly, straight, straightly, properly to handle the word of truth, so that we will not be ashamed at the day of judgment, so that we will not be dis, you know, we will not be rejected, 
are rebuked by the Lord on the day of judgment, and rather we will be approved as the one who did a wonderful business job. Now, here in the world, handle correctly. I'm going to take you to the Greek word. Okay? The Greek word for the, the Greek word that Paul is using in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Here, the word correctly is orthogonia. I, I, I hope I touch this word on the day of opening. Remember? Yes. Yeah. Now, the word handle correctly, rightly. And the Greek word that Paul used here is orthodonia. And orthodonia is a Greek word which means there are different kinds of meanings I found and I don't want to bother you. I don't want to oppress you with so much definitions, but I wanted to give you two important meanings here. Number one, definition of orthodonia to cut straight. To cut straight. And the second meaning is to cut and produce one single end tribute product. To cut and produce one single end product. Now if I if I if I give you the end product, what, what do you mean end product? See, and if you are working in a car manufacturer on a car manufacturer company or any other companies. So, see for example, already you have in your mind that this is the car that we need to bring it out. So, already you have the picture of the particular car in your mind and then you collect all the materials and then you work with the team. At the end, the car product that you are looking forward should come out. If the end product is not exactly what you have already in your mind, there is something wrong that happened in between the process. I hope you are right. Similarly, what Paul is trying to say to Timothy here when he said, handle the word of correctly means. Don't the word. Don't twist the word. Don't Try to, you know, add your own imagination, your own opinion, your own thoughts to the word of God. Rather, you have to cut the word, handle the word, you know, interpret the word, explain the word in the right way with a single meaning that the Holy Spirit is intended to give in this particular scripture. I don't know if you are following me or not. When I talk about the word single, one single. Now listen, every verse in the Bible has only one single meaning. The scripture does not have many meanings. Please write it down, that's very important. I'm telling you, you know, don't listen like the stories. Write down. Every verse in the Bible has a single meaning. But has many applications that we will touch a little later on. I don't want to touch the part of application part now. But I, what I want to tell you is every verse in the Bible has only one meaning, a single meaning. A Bible verse does not have two meanings, three meanings, four meanings. Some of you are confused, no? Hmm. Yeah, I know. So you 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 have a lot of things to 
in Nagarisika. Now, what does it mean? See, what does that mean? That is a challenge of interpretation. In, a, in, a, in other words, we call it hermetics. And I'll talk about the word hermetics later on. Now, what is a single name? That is the, the, the single meaning is nothing but the intended meaning of the Holy Spirit that he revealed to the original author of that particular book. Are you following me? See, today, for example, when you read the Bible, the same verse, when, when, for example, if I give a verse to all of you and read and come up with a meaning, so the Deborah can come with one meaning, the Joseph can come with another meaning, Navin and Richard, so Mary and sisters who are here, Every one of you come with a different meaning. But the purpose of the interpretation is what is the inner meaning, the original meaning of the Holy Spirit, the original author of the Bible. Are you following me? <laughs> that is the greatest task of every interpreter of the Bible. That's why we have so much confusions and the wrong interpretations about the Christians. Now today the greatest temptation is that everyone wants to come up with their own interpretation, own meaning. Have you seen some of the people who used to say, when I was reading the scripture, the Holy Spirit gave me this meaning, the Holy Spirit. See, let me tell you, the Holy Spirit will not give two different meanings, one meaning to Paul, another meaning to you and me. If that continues, just imagine that Christianity will be called as a great continuity. When I'm talking about the single meaning, you know, don't be confused now. We will come little later on when we are dealing with a part called exegesis that is there in each of us. That the, the task of the, the task of the exegesis is to find out the single meaning of the Holy Spirit for that particular speech. But what you want me to understand here, you know, I want you to understand here is that every scripture in the Bible has only one meaning. Single meaning. When Paul was writing with Timothy, saying that handle the word of God correctly means you need to find out that meaning. You ought to go straight to, to find out that meaning. Remember on the opening day, we have an ex, you know, kind of exam. It is also a medical term, you know. And uh, Paul was writing, and you when you you have a system in your hand as a doctor, you see. And there's a, a patient in front of you, and you need to use the scissor very carefully to do the operation. To cut where you need to cut. Just because you have the scissor in your hand, just because a patient in front of you, you cannot use the scissor according to what you want and cut wherever you want. What will happen? Uh, I told you, you know. Somebody asked the doctor, how was the operation? The operation was successful, but the patient died. That will be the outcome. You may say, you know, today I preached nice message, brother. And I preached a wonderful message, brother. But how many people have got saved? How many people got the blessed? And how many people got healed? The true meaning, how many people got the true meaning? That is very, very important. It's not uh, how we preach. That's what Paul says here, handle the word of truth correctly, rightly, strictly, without any kind of mistake. Are you following me? Amen. So, 
Paul is encouraging, as a statement I have given here, Paul is encouraging Timothy to use straight talk that goes directly to the truth. Hmm? Paul is encouraging Timothy to use straight talk that goes directly to the truth. That is the meaning of handle the word directly. Hmm? I can give you a lot of examples. Another example, for example, you know, you are you are making a road. Okay, make the road straight so that the person who walks on the road can reach the destiny without any kind of confusions. Hmm? So every one of our interpretation and explanation of the scripture should be helping the people to reach the proper destiny. I hope you are following me. Okay. Is it correct? This is the only word. The New Testament, the entire New Testament. Here is the only place where we see the word authority. Okay. And also I asked last time the question, who is Orthodox Christian? Now you tell me. You know? And the opening day I asked you, you know, in every religion, they have Orthodox, Hindus, Orthodox, Muslims, Orthodox, Christians. So listen carefully, Orthodox Christians are not traditional Christians. Orthodox Christians are the one who handle the word, understand the word, practice the word, preach the word rightly. Are you clear? Yes. The moment we hear the word Orthodox Christian, we think, oh, you are Orthodox Christian. Generation to generation. My father was a Christian, my forefather was a Christian. Then the uproot and thought and pattern. Uh, that's not that. so. Orthodox Christianity does not refers to the traditional Christianity. It asks if you understand the scripture properly, if you obey, if you preach, you are an Orthodox Christian. Even though the church name was Orthodox Church. Huh? Orthodox. So many people they misuse the word Orthodox. And there's another word called orthopractice. Have you heard about the word orthopractice? Orthodomia, orthopractice. Orthopractice means practicing properly. Orthodomia means handling the word correctly. Any questions, please ask me. I think when I look at some of your faces, you are somewhere. The third heaven, fourth heaven. Yeah. Hanging somewhere. Yes. Hmm. That's what we see. The whole scripture again talks about interpreting the word of God. Okay. And you're handling the word of God correctly. Now, you're talking about Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, no? Yes. That's what I told you already. Now let me come back to the scripture again. Now it says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. Now it talks about the approval of God, approval of God. Number two, a workman who does not need to be ashamed. It talks about the shame and the shame. And then, who is approved, who is not to be ashamed? Now, what Paul is trying to say, if you handle the word of the truth, handle it correctly, properly, you are a man who are approved by God, and also you don't need to be ashamed that whether I am doing right or wrong, or afraid, or ashamed, 
or you don't have a, a kind of confusion within yourself whether I am doing it right or wrong, going right or wrong, reaching right or wrong. And then at the ending he says, who correctly handled the word of truth. So the whole sentence talks about correctly handling the word. <clears throat> so if you handle the word of truth correctly, you won't need to be ashamed and you won't need to be afraid and you are approved. In other words, like others, you do your best to yourself, you know, present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed if you interpret properly, if you handle properly. That's why I told you when I, before I come to the Bible College, I had a lot of questions. Even wherever I go, I used to preach whatever comes to my mind. People were blessed. And uh, people used to say, nice, nice, it was. But I had a fear within myself whether I am preaching rightly or not. Preaching rightly or not. Or am I doing and uh, teaching something which is irrelevant, irrelevant, or not God's word properly? But after studying the interpretation rules, then I understood where I have made mistakes. Where I have made mistakes. Now, I am not be afraid, I am not be confused, I am, I, I am not ashamed to be a man of God who, who teaches the word of God because I know I am doing, I am handling the word correctly by using all the interpretation rules and regulations, analytics, policies that will come with clear from those rules and all. You know? So that's what Paul says. If you do that, you are not ashamed. Okay. So, any other questions, please? Hmm? Any other questions, clarifications before we go further? Hmm? Yes, sir. That's not. Everybody will get sister if they learn the rules of interpretation. That we are going to deal with a bit later. As I said, every verse in the Bible has one single meaning, but it has many applications. So meaning is simple. But the application part can be deferred to Navi, deferred to you, deferred to sister, deferred according to your personal situation. Please understand. Application differs person to person according to our situation circumstances. But the meaning is wrong. That's why we learned from Ezra. First, what he did? First, he studied. The study includes finding the original meaning of the Holy Spirit. Original meaning of the author who wrote the Bible. I told you last time some of the examples, you know, you know, when Paul was writing to cover the head, every woman should cover the head. What is the original meaning, the intended meaning of the author? The intended meaning of Paul? Because the, what the problem was only the Corinthian church. Paul never wrote the same instruction to the church at Thessalonica, Galatia, the Philippi. You know, there were many churches. But here, I mean, when you touch it later, when you come to the culture, see the Corinthian city, if a woman does not cover the head, she will be considered as a prostitute. 
So, in order to make the difference between the prostitute and the believer, Paul says, please come with me when you come to church. But that's not the same case with us today. So, it's not compulsory to cover the gate even today. Some of the pastors, you know, they take the verse and say, come on, body, cover, see the Bible says. The Bible says, but the verse intended meaning. The same Paul says in the Corinthian church, others where women should not speak in the church. What's the meaning of that? Again, see, in those days, when the, when the message was when the, when the message was going on, some of the women started to raise up to the church itself and ask questions. Pastor, please stop. Preacher, please stop. I couldn't understand what you're talking about. Please, I have a question. Because they came from that kind of culture, that kind of background. In that context, Paul says, women should not speak in the church. If you have any question, the Bible says, he says, go and ask the own husband. Today, what happened? Some of the Christians took the word literally and they made it as a doctrine. And they say that today women should not preach, women should not sing, women should not read the worship, women should not become a pastor. Woman. If that is the case, Joyce Mary is disqualified. But the Bible says women should not speak in church. If you take the word literally like that, without understanding the original meaning. You hope, I hope you are getting it. See, that's what I'm telling you. So there's a only single meaning is there for every stage. Without understanding the original meaning, the, 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 the intended meaning of the Holy Spirit, when he inspired the word to the uh, Bible authors, now our people have taken the words like that and interpreted like that plainly without understanding and they are not Christians. Again, arguments. Lot of issues. They come with later on when we come to the cultural part of the historical part of there, and they mention. So, you know, there's a cultural background for it behind every scripture. There's a historical background behind every scripture. So, we have to look at those backgrounds first. And then you apply our context. Simply, you cannot take and apply in our context. First, we have to understand with what intended meaning Paul wrote, Peter wrote, Moses wrote, Matthew wrote, Mark wrote. Look, because the Holy Spirit revealed to them with that meaning, the original meaning. They were kind of meaning. And we need to discover that meaning. That is called the all about interpretation. Now, many, many, many pastors and church Christian leaders, they, they you know, they don't, they don't study this actually. They don't bother me. Ah, Bible simply, it is our hands. We can, as I said last earlier example. Like doctors, they are physical doctors, we are spiritual doctors. So God has given this, this a biggest sweat. Uh, just now we read it from Hebrew chapter 12, 4 verse 12. The two side edge is also like a head and a swirl or a sister. Many preachers are misusing this two side edge swirl and killing the people, damaging the churches, bringing a lot of confusions among the Christians. Many evangelists. I tell you, I don't want to mention some of the uh, famous evangelist names. They are they are killing, but the people are there. Even they don't know. And that's why every sheep should be under a shepherd who learn properly. But as Paul says here, who are learned to handle the whole of mankind. See, unless until you are not under the man of God who learn to 
enter the word of God correctly, you are in danger. You are in confusion. You are in trouble. That's why many Christians, many, many, many believers of today, they are danger. They don't realize it. No. They think that, you know, how oh, such a great man. You know, some of the, even though some of the popular man and woman of God commits uh, wrong interpretation, commits mistakes, their popularity comes. Their popularity just comes. That's all. Just because a person is so popular, and it doesn't mean that whatever he says is right. And so after you study the interpretation rules of the and the principles, it will help you very easily to understand whether the person is teaching correctly or not. A lot of things are there, you know. Okay, now we have a few more minutes. We'll finish the deep part in your syllabus under the introduction part. Any questions? Come online, sir. Anybody ask any question, please let me know. Now let's move on to the third and then fourth B. A definition of biblical interpretation. This is very, very important. And here after this one, we are going to have the real session. Now you may ask, Pastor, you are talking about the interpretation and the name of our institute also, Institute of Biblical Interpretation. What does it mean exactly? What is the meaning of interpretation? Please. Take this definition here. It's very simple and profound. It's very important. Interpretation is the process and the rules by which the meaning and the message of the biblical text is determined and understood. A lot of things are there to discuss with this definition. But first, to write it down, please. Okay. What is the interpretation? It's a process. And also rules. By which the meaning of the message of the biblical text is determined. The original meaning I'm talking about again, okay? Just now we are talking about the original meaning, the original message, of the biblical text, the text refers to the scripture portion that you are studying every day and understood. Mm -hmm. So this is very, very important definition. I want all of you to memorize this definition, please. When you come to next class, every one of you should be able to tell this definition without any mistake. Okay? It's a very simple. And uh, let, let's look at a few things here. Now, what is interpretation? Now, interpretation is nothing but, you know, the word may be looking like kind of technical term. Interpretation is nothing but explanation. What is the meaning? Interpretation is nothing but explanation. I gave you know, some of the examples in the opening day itself, you know, and if I ask you, to explain what is what I, what I'm holding in my hand. This is mic. You talk about the color of the mic, the usage of the mic, and then the duration of the mic, the manufacture, the name of the mic. So everything that you say about this mic is interpretation of this mic. And follow me. Yes. For example, you look at a house. 
I, as we walk on the road, we look at the house, we say, what a beautiful house. See the color, see the paint, see the door, see the window. So everything you talk about the house is nothing but the interpretation of the house. Even sometimes we talk about people. See this man, see this woman, see the dress, see the way they walk, see the way they live. So this you know, interpretation is part and parcel of everyday life. We interpret people, we interpret places, we interpret, you know, objects, we interpret different things. And the one of the problem with that is sometimes the interpretation or the meaning, the explanation that you give about a person or a place or anything may be right, may not be right. I hope you understand. That's why the interpretation rules, the biblical interpretation helps us whether we are explaining the Bible clearly or not, properly or not, with original meaning or not. So now the word process. Now the word process is a continuation. Okay, I'll give a little explanation on some of the terms within the definition. Please write it down. The word process means it's a continuation. So when you take a spiritual portion, for example, today, how many of you have daily Bible meditation, Bible meditation day? Yes. So how many of you read chapter by chapter? Or some of you may be reading paragraph-wise, chapter-wise. There are different ways of meditating the Bible. Some people meditate the whole Bible by characterized, biblical character. For example, they, they meditate the life of Adam, Abraham, Sarah. So this is called meditation on biblical characters. Some people meditate the word of God by paragraph-wise. In Tamil and Kannada, in our vernacular languages, we do not have much paragraphs, but in English, we have paragraphs. So some people use meditation, use to meditate paragraph-wise. There are some people, they use meditation chapter-wise. I always prefer nighttime, Old Testament, and morning, New Testament. That's the best method. I personally, you know, go ahead. That way you can complete the whole Bible also. You know? So you should have twice at least. Night, you can start with the Old Testament, one chapter, and morning, you can start with the New Testament, with another chapter. So, okay. Whatever may be the, uh, the mode of uh, meditation. But when you meditate it, it's a process. When you do it, and there are some of the rules we are going to apply. Okay, which we are going to look at a little later on. Now you can write down there the rules. There are two kinds of rules. Right now, there are general rules and also there are special rules to understand the Bible. Now I'm explaining the definition. Okay, process is a continuation. Whatever the method you are using to meditate the word of God, you should you always use the process and continue. And then to understand there are two rules, general rules, special rules, which we will talk about little later on, and that rules will really help us by which the meaning of the message. Now every time when you meditate the word of God, whether you meditate by character-wise, verse-wise, paragraph-wise, or chapter-wise, you will get two things. Number one, you will get some meanings, and then you will get some messages. As sister said, everybody will get a meaning. Okay? 
you will come up. And I was reading this particular scripture. I was like, what is the meaning? I think this may be the meaning. And then I also got a message. And then immediately, you know, I started to share with my friends with my WhatsApp or anything. So share this thing. But the thing is, everyone will get a meaning and a message of the biblical text. The text is nothing but the scripture portion you meditate. But the question is, this interpretation really helps us to determine and understood whether it's right or not. Okay? So the text is determined and understood. So I may get thousands of meanings. I may get thousands of messages. But I must be able to determine, decide, confirm whether it is the real meaning, the real message. The original meaning, the original message. So in order to get that original message and the meaning, we really need the interpretation, you know, method. So what's the interpretation? Let us all read together. Those who are even online and here also. Come on, ready? One, two, three. Interpretation is the process and the rules by which the meaning and the message of the biblical text is determined and understood. Are you following, you know? And down here, you know, and below that, I have given a meaning. I mean, a statement discovering the single meaning of the passage when originally written by that particular author. So, the interpretation helps us to discover the single meaning. You can call it the original meaning of the passage that you meditate when originally written by, it may be written by Moses. How many authors wrote the Bible? Come on. 40 authors. So we have to understand with what the intention, what the single meaning, what was the single meaning that was in the mind of Paul when he wrote the scripture? What was the single meaning that was in the mind of Peter when he wrote that letter? What was the meaning of Matthew when he wrote his gospel? You got it? We need to discover. So, the interpretation really helps us to discover that original meaning that was in the mind of the author. The human author as well as the divine author. Who is the divine author? Holy Spirit. Who are the human authors? Starting from Moses to John Baptist. Amen? So the ultimate author, the divine author is the Holy Spirit. We saw from the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. All scriptures are inspired by the Holy Spirit. But who he inspired? He inspired to 40 human authors, starting from Moses to John. So when they wrote the Bible, they used their language, they used their culture, they used their, you know, so many things. And we need to understand them first before we come here. That's what next time tell me. If you miss, write down that word, if you miss God's meaning, then you no longer have God's soul in your hand. I hope you're following. If you miss God's meaning, which means if you miss the original God's meaning, when you meditate and when you study your Bible, then what happened? Then you no longer have God's soul. That's a very, very important statement. 
That's why we are taking much efforts to discover what is the original meaning, the intended meaning of the author. If I lose that meaning, miss the meaning, then I do not have the word of God. I'm reading something else. I'm getting some meanings that will lead me into a lot of confusions. Based on that, look at the book of 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. That's what Paul says here, St. Peter, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. Not the word, by prophet's own interpretation. And from whom we look at verse 21, a prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is exactly similar with the second Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 also. There we see Holy Spirit inspired them, but here we see they were carried away by the Holy Spirit. I like the word. All the 40 men when they wrote the Bible were carried away by the Holy Spirit. And another English verse says they were controlled by the Holy Spirit. So there's no way to make any mistakes. And the Holy Spirit controls them, controls their minds, thoughts, emotions. And there's no way for them to make any kind of mistakes. Today, Muslims say 5,000 errors in the Bible. Hmm. Have you seen that kind of book? If you go to Kerbala, Kerbala market, there's a book center called Islamic Information Center. Like we have seen this bookshop, Oya bookshop. They have a bookshop. It's called Islamic. Information center. If you go inside, you will get more book written about things than 5,000 errors in the world. Who holds the store? Somebody holds the store for the two marches. They don't want to get those things now. But what I'm trying to say, people today, they criticize the Bible, they mock at the Bible, they joke at the Bible because they think if these things were written by human beings, the Bible clearly says, these were not written by human perspective from human mind. They were carried away. They were controlled. They were protected by the Holy Spirit not to make any mistakes. There is no error in the Bible. We will come back later on to respond, how to respond to those people who say that Bible has so many errors. Okay, now let's stop there. And before you can obey, write down that word. Before you can obey and apply God's word. You must know what it says and understand what it means. Not the two words. You must know what it says and understand what it means. Otherwise, you will take wrong decisions, please. Understand. Before you can obey and apply God's word. Some of you maybe, you know, say that, Pastor, God spoke to me like this. God spoke to me like that. And based on that, you know, and then I'm going to take decision. I'm going to marry this boy or this girl. Praise the Lord. And uh, I'm going to uh, uh, do this job. I'm going to move, you know, my place from here to there because God spoke to me through the Bible. Listen carefully. Many people have taken wrong decisions based on wrong interpretations and they got into a lot of problems. That's why I've given the warning before you can apply, I mean, obey and apply God's word. We need to obey. We need to apply. But before that, 
you must understand you must do two things you must know what it says that means you must understand the original meaning that's what what it says number two you must understand what it means with what meaning it was given otherwise like that today many people misuse the covering the head arguments women should not speak in church and even wearing the shoe something people used to say can we share you know, wear the shoes in the pulpit and it the old testament you know there was a verse where god said to moses old testament lies are different huh? the law period the law there was a law for everything even the dress and the new testament god has set us free from those laws you know and uh, we will come to the law of moses when we out interpret the law is there in the us. There's a one part called the law of Moses. Okay. Now, if you have any questions, please ask me. Before I'm giving you an assignment again. Praise the Lord. Amen. Assignment is always very delighted part of your subject. Whereas, that's the only part we don't like it. But without homework, assignment, we can grow. We'll be taking notes here and we'll be sitting up next week only, you know, easy. <coughs> assignment really helps us to grow. I still believe, you know, when we were in college, the teachers will do the assignments and we go there with all the completion. Even if there's one sentence is not proper, the teacher will scratch the pattern like this. Throw on all this. Hmm? Still, the teachers are there. What you written? Take a look. Rewrite again. Come back. Make a Don't take the pattern. Sorry, sir. Thank you, sir. That's a thing we were molded. We were trained. You know? You cannot expect. Don't think the Bible colleges are all on the Sometimes we'll be feeling very bad. Yeah, anyway. And uh, so there are simple assignments. Okay, is there a screen, please? Uh, look at there. For each verse, write a one sentence summary. Of one sentence, not much. I have given five scriptures. And just to read the scripture, write one sentence of the truth that is there in that verse. That is John 7 17, John 13 17, John 14 15, Hebrews 5, verses 13 to 15, 14, Deuteronomy 29 and 29. It's a very simple assignment, no need to be confused. One sentence. So, altogether, you are going to write five sentences for these five Bible verses. Okay, yeah. Anybody has any questions before we pray? Hmm? Sorry? <laughs> This is, that's why, uh, see, many people they take it for granted, teaching the Bible. That's why we are so many. You know, one of the reasons for all the cult, 
cult. This is cults starting from Jehovah's Witness, Mormons, Christian Science, Seventh-day Adventists, only Jesus. So we have so many cults. You know the primary reason for the cults to come up? Wrong interpretation. Hmm? That's the basic reason. If I dig into all the groups, they had their own way of interpreting the Bible, so they brought a new cult. Hmm? The woman who started the Seventh-day Adventist, Ellen G. White, she always believed about the dreams and visions. Now, if you look at the, her life, you will understand. Mentally disordered person. You know, Ellen G. White, the one who started this. So many, even Charles T. Russell, the one who started the Jehovah's Witness, Joseph Smith, the Mormons, founder, all these guys took the Bible, they interpreted it according to their own way, and the, the, the worst thing is, there were people, educated people, they were willing to obey, listen, do what they see. These people don't have the mind to study the Bible properly. As well, always I believe, the second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4 says, the God of this age has blinded the eyes of the people. They are not able to understand. So this is very important, you know, subject that every pastor and every leadership must study. I tell you from my own experience. I told you, know, before I come to the Bible College, study this subject, I preach. I taught. I used to pre preach in Castle, preach City Assemblies of God Church, the Valley You know, I used to preach the Sunday school. I used to teach to youth people, castle. But after I learned these words, the principles, then I was really wondering, my God, as we read in Second Timothy, I felt shame. We have made so much mistakes. But now I don't need to be ashamed of anything that I preached. Because I know. And uh, I don't know how many people are coming here. I don't Sometimes, sometimes I don't bother. As long as we do the best for the people who are coming here, you know. So we have a long way to go, and definitely you will really enjoy and learn more things. Continue to pray for this IBI, pray for the course, the requirements, and the, the needs that we have, and the God will bless you. So, as far as the same way is concerned, you know, this there is still on the line? Ah, okay. So, don't be confused more about the assignments. And uh, make it, we want to make everything simple to all of you. Yeah. Okay. Hallelujah. Can, you, can everyone hear? Can everyone hear? Yes, yes. Sorry, actually. Yeah, see, this is, uh, you know, my son has come. So I was not able to spend time with you all. If uh, the video was there, you guys would have seen. He's crying from morning. He's crying uh, for a long time. So, see, I'm actually messaging, you know, few people according to assignments. As uncle told, as uncle told, uh, you know, please uh, do it. And uh, I, what I want to say is, uh, see, if you listen to the, if you listen to the training, 
Anna, Anna, uncle is telling you. We'll talk about this later. We couldn't hear. Oh, yeah, yeah. We couldn't hear it, Anna. So he's telling. We'll talk about this later. Ah, okay, okay, okay. Done, done, done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So as far as I said, this concern, those who are online, you can write and send through WhatsApp or maybe uh, online or email also possible. And others who are coming here, I think except sister or sister Lena, I'm reading what is her Vita. Ah, uh, you can bring the assignments here. Yeah, no okay. Even if you're, they are not able to come, the rest of the brothers and sisters are not able to come on Tuesday. Some other days also they can come and submit the assignments in office. Okay. So nothing to worry about, sister. Then I think my sons and daughters, Deborah, sister, will there, and some of you. So you can try and bring it to the airport stage practice. And anytime you can come and submit it when you're free. Okay, which is and because all of you working and have some responsibilities. So that way we can do that. Okay, now, right, God bless you. Shall we stand up with you? We'll pray with you. Amen. Well, Joseph, can you come and pray and come to Praise the Lord. Most gracious heavenly Father, Lord, we are coming to your feet to learn your secret from the Bible, Lord. Better interpretation is the very hardest part to know from our mind unless your Holy Spirit will enable us to understand your word. And we may obey the word and we may pass it to the brothers and sisters whom we are in relation, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that you are in our midst. Thank you, Holy Spirit, you are anointing with our pastor and teacher, Lord. When we hear our preaching, it will be very easy to understand and digest. That is only a meal. But when it comes to the solid part of meat, it is a heart. But when the Holy Spirit helps us to understand your secrets and obey according to the word, and we may pass to the other people, Lord. That is why we are here. Thank you for you enabled us. Thank you for you provided all the needs. Thank you for the IPI, Lord. And we pray that more people also will join and learn and answer the word. God is asking a lot of questions about us. We may answer their questions. Unless we learn, we may not be able to answer their questions. And the Holy Spirit will help us so that we are able to answer their questions, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that you are in our midst. Those who are online, Lord, bless them. Those who are here, Lord, bless them. They have a lot of work, but they are coming to your feet to learn. As you said, you are the light and the salt, Lord. We may shine. When we see in the mirror, we see our appearance. That appearance is supposed to be like Jesus. Every day we have to come into your presence. Thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for hearing our prayers. We give you honor, we give you glory. We ask for the precious name of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.